two, three, four. I'm testing. Yo, what is cracking, my people? Welcome to yet another episode of ADQ's Renaissance. I'm your host with the most. Keep it 100 from coast to coast. Through God, I boast A to D to the Q. It's been a long time. I've been gone for a minute. Now I'm back with the jump off. I'm back with the jump off. Yo, it is Sunday. It is Sunday. It's the first day of the week. It's Sunday, March 26th, 2022. I am currently sitting here in my home studio. And it's time, man. It's time. Yo, I have been slacking. I have been slacking on my podcasting too much. It's time that I get back in the game. So, y'all sit back and enjoy yourselves. Ah, love that coffee. So, today I'm going solo, but tomorrow I will have a whole nother episode for you all um, with my brother Dominic Hand, who will be returning for the third time to this illustrious platform. My brother Dominic Hand has released an incredible body of work called the um, the Book of Intellectual Mystic. I repeat, the Book of the Intellectual Mystic. The intellectual actionaire, aka Baby Malcolm, aka like the smartest brother who I've ever met in my entire life, has released an incre- incredible body of work entitled. The book of an intellectual mystic. It is a beautiful, incredible project from top to bottom. You know, I honestly did not realize brother could spit like that. I did not know that brother could spit like that. I mean, I knew that the brother had a way with words because you know the brother's smart. The brother is like you know sharp as tech, uh, intellectually, but I did not know that he can compile such syllables and metaphors and similes and everything into a hip-hop cadence and a delivery that would make the likes of J Electronica, Lupe Fiasco, uh, Yasin Bey, Talib Kweli, Common, uh, Black Thought, all the hip-hop artists that we both mutually love, Nasir Jones, my, my Virgo brother, um, KRS One, Rakim, Dagon, you know what I'm saying? Make those lyrics, lyricists, make all the lyricists be like, "Damn, Dom," because that's what I was doing, man. I promise you, when I was listening to, when I was listening to, "Liberate the Mind," there's some type of other than the fact they use the N word in it and the F word in it, um. There's some type of divine, divine, divine energy attached to it. You know what I'm saying? Like, like the like the hook says, "When the last time you looked deep inside? When the last time you channeled the Most High? You looking to the sky? We waiting for you to rise. We answer all our prayers when we liberate the mind. Damn, Dom. Whew. So." Listen, if you are hip-hop head, if you enjoy lyrics, listen to the book of an intellectual mystic. You will not be sorry. It is powerful from top to bottom. My brother T. Walker even came in and told the whole world that disease can't live in alkaline. Which which is a beautiful segue to I got I gotta shout this out. Heavyenergyuniversity.com, heavyenergyuniversity.com, tap in, get your live alkaline water. Yo, every time I drink Greensboro public water, I feel violated. I feel I feel I feel dirty. Every time I drink Greensboro public water, hell, even some filtered water be having me feeling some type of way. But every time I drink that crisp, clean, black-owned, live alkaline water, I feel the I feel the hand of God 
has provided me with God's own water. You know what I'm saying? This God's water. This no this this water straight from this water straight from the earth that God has built. So www.heavyenergy.com um get your water get your live alkaline water <laughs> what have i been up to what's adq been up to i'm gonna tell you what i've been up to um last month i went to lexington small town outside winston-salem you know it's like a small winston-salem suburb or something like that i went to lexington and i performed in uh, the lexington live theater production of fences um i want to say first i want to first of all shout out the entire cast for welcoming me and come to find out i was the most experienced member of the cast which i love um i want to shout out to james Littlejohn who gave me a ride to and from rehearsal you know i don't have a car <laughs> um i want to shout him out for cast me as gabe um they needed gabe i told him that it's a dream role uh when all this just were going on and i can't and i was able to come through and um perform you know get back on stage because i was spending the last few months after much ado about nothing um, and back in September, I've mostly been focusing on poetry, writing, writing things, and losing weight. We're going to get to my weight loss in a minute, but that's mostly what I've been focused. That's mostly what I've been focused on. Well, then he says, "Hey, if I gave you a ride to and from rehearsal, would you be? Able, would you want? Would you like to play Gabe?" And I said, "Yeah, absolutely, absolutely." First, I was um, what's the word I'm looking for? Understudying, understudying. But now, but then, I became Gabe. You know, got off book. I had like a week to get off book, which I did, and I ended up portraying Gabe. It was a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful experience. You know what I'm saying? And this is like theater one on one. You know what I'm saying? Like. It's like theater one-on-one. One thing that I challenge myself to not do is copy and replicate Michael T. Williamson's performance as Gabriel Maxson in the movie production of Fences, the Denzel Washington-directed and produced production of Fences. One one challenge that i made to myself is i will not replicate michael t williams's performance in any way shape or form what i will do is do my homework on gabe which i did what i will do is make gabe my own um put my own spin on gabe because the gabriel maxson character existed long before michael t williamson portrayed him and the Gabriel Maxson character is going to exist long after me or Michael T. Williamson or anyone else portray the, the character. So I have to learn the character, learn learn why August, how August Wilson constructed the character in order to portray him. So while I was portraying Gabe Maxson and like prepping for it, one monologue that kept on going through my mind was Robert Downey Jr.'s monologue from Tropic Thunder, in which he was talking about how the Tug Speedman character portrayed by Ben Stiller. I know Robert Downey Jr. goes blackface in Tropic Thunder. Let's just stay with the subject, okay? I love Tropic Thunder. It's a freaking incredible movie, even though Robert Downey Jr. goes blackface. Um, anyway... He did a whole monologue about never going full retard. You know what I'm saying? Full retard. Uh, I hate to use the word retard. Uh, it's more so like intellectually challenged, the uh, exceptional, something like that. But I thought about that monologue. Leonardo DiCaprio did just that in What's He Didn't Give a Great, but it worked. Cuba Gooding Jr. did just that in radio. It 
was a little bit much. <laughs> it was a bit much. It was a bit much. Um, I saw Robert T. O'Donnell do just that in the movie. It was bad, bro. It was bad. It was bad. So, I thought, okay, what I'm not going to do is mock the special needs community. Because that's what Gay Maxson is. He's special needs. You know, he served in the military. He served in the Vietnam War. And he and he got shot in the head and was disabled for the rest of his life. Crazy thing about Fences is the play itself, while it's while it's set in the 50s, it dropped in 1985. Guess what else dropped in 1985? Your boy. So, it was an incredible experience. I got great feedback. One lady told me about how her son has special needs and just, you know, my performance made her cry. Um, it was a beautiful moment. She almost made me cry. Um, another lady just looked at me and said, you play that role. Um, yo, and guess what? My mom came and saw the play, and she was very pleased with the performance. My mom hasn't seen me in the place since daggone. It's been a long time. Yeah, I think the last time she saw me in the play was Raising the Sun back in 2012. So, you know, my mom came and saw it, and she enjoyed herself. So, yo, uh, uh, Fences, I've always wanted to be in Fences. I love August Wilson. He's my favorite writer. And it was a wonderful, wonderful experience that I will not trade for anything. So, much love to Lexington Live Theater. Much love to Julie Moyer. Much love to James Littlejohn, Cassandra Littlejohn, and all the actor, everybody else who was in the play. Neil Shepard. It was great to finally work with Neil Shepard, even though we have not shared stage. Still, you know, he was building and I was standing. So, um, so right now, um, right now. Y'all know me. I like to be involved in like play after play after play after play. And maybe throw a film or two in there if I can. So right now, what the get down is, am I sitting here doing absolutely nothing? No. So the next project will be uh, as a part of the 41st evening of short plays. Um, which premieres actually this week, uh, March 30th, and runs until um, Sunday, April 2nd. It'll be the evening of short plays over at Seventy Hires Theater uh, with a $10 suggested donation. Um, we open at 7 o'clock, 7 o'clock on March 30th, March 31st, and April 1st, and it'll be a 2 o'clock matinee on April 2nd. So there'll be nine plays, and the play that I directed, I, I did, I'm not acting in this, I, I directed it. Um, I directed the play, uh, and the play that I directed is um, Here's Fluffy, uh, written by uh, Randy Morris. So this is not the first time that me and Randy Morris have collaborated. We were in a a 48-hour film together, which here's what what we collaborated on that I love. Uh, We were also, we also acted, we also shared the stage together in By the Dawn's Early Night, you know, cool play, cool play, nice, nice short play, ran by Mike Brandon. We did that right before COVID broke out, like literally right before COVID broke out. Also, um... Also, he directed me in R.U.R., and my performance got me a shout-out in the Greensboro News and Records saying that I gave a hilarious and convincing performance. You know what I'm saying? So, shout-out to that. And also, I killed Randy in Hamlet. (laughs) We were in Hamlet together. I was Hamlet, and I killed him. So, this is our... So, yeah, I've, I've been fortunate to work with Randy Morris a few times. He also did the lighting in uh, my play time. So uh, this particular play uh, stars uh, Angela Williams Tripp and uh, Trish Forbes as a married couple. 
it was my first time ever, ever directing a lesbian married couple in a play. I mean, they're they're not lesbians themselves. I'm talking about the married, the couple in the play are lesbians, you know, gay. Um, And I helped them construct the backstory to it. And we rocking on, you know what I'm saying? Um, I was like, you know what? We're not going to make no big deal out of this. I mean, it's 2023 and sure, they ain't got to like do anything special. Just be a married couple. Boom. There it is. So, so the process has been beautiful. And I will admit, I am not comfortable as a director at all. I am not. I am not comfortable as a director at all. Whatever insecurity, whatever artistic insecurities that I have, they come back to me when I am directing because I'm asking myself deep down inside, bruh, do you have any idea what in the hell you talking about? But, you know, um, you all can see the, fin- the final product. You know, this is not my first time directing. I direct the time. I directed Sport of Crowns um, a few years ago. I, I directed Airbnb Butchery. I directed a couple of um, a couple of Zoom plays for um, for a Goodly Frame Theater. Uh, shout out to them. So you know, it's not my first time directing. It's just I'm still finding my directing groove. And I think that me, Miss Angie, and um, Trish have put together something beautiful and I really hope that um Randy will be proud. And we have a beautiful spot. We go up right after intermission. Right after intermission, that's when we go up. So come through. You'll greatly enjoy it. So y'all I'm gonna take a second and we are going to get in we are going to get into what we are talking about tonight. All right? And you'll see when we find out. It's been 17 seconds. Y'all check out some um, hits from the book of the intellectual mystic. So, my name is... So, it's your boy, ADQ. I'm hanging out with... Um, what grade y'all in? I'm hanging out with sophomores over at Weaver Academy, and they are about to play some dope jazz music. So, just boom. Listen.
Like an episode of NPR's Tiny Desk or something, <laughs> even though this is going on my podcast, Eighty Q's Renaissance. Okay, that was beautiful. And what was what was the name of that? The girl from Ipanema. The girl from Ipanema. Say it one more time. The girl from Ipanema. All right, and who and who was the original person who constructed that? That was beautiful. Like, like I was originally supposed to be at an elementary school today, but someone said, drop that gig, drop that gig. So I drop it, scroll down on uh, Frontline, and I'm like, hmm, music class? Weaver Academy? Let's go. Here I am. Glad I did. And I'm not going to put that on my podcast.
bring it back to what that tradition of hip hop was kind of like. You know, because I get I get kind of biased to listen to that song. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's facts, and I'm. It was a regrounding moment as far as the music was concerned for me because I found myself like, all right, but then I'm like, what do I need to do for people to hear? And then I found myself like, it was a specific artist that um are in a place where I'm not creating that was sending music. They're like, all right, I'm gonna use this as a talent, but I found myself veering away from the essence of what I started with, and that moment pulled me back into that space. You know, so I appreciate that. Um, what's your favorite? My favorite song, personally, um, and this, this is a little personal, so it varies based upon uh, when I first made the album, it was definitely Legends of Good Forever. That was my favorite one. But I think, because um, I made the album, I had my best friend pass away and then I had my spiritual pe people pass away. So Old Decline and then Pleasure Following After That are, are probably the tracks that hit me the hardest because when I listen to it, it just takes me to that place. Um, so my best friend died in a car crash. He's my childhood best friend. And uh, I'll be turning 31 this summer. He was 31. And he was in the process of turning 31 and he transitioned. So I've been kind of going through kind of a crisis in a sense. Like that's why it's 2020 was such, 2022 was just such a bad year for me because, you know, I'm only, I just turned 30, right? I'm about to be 31. And I'm already having like, I won't say a midlife crisis, but I'm going back and asking myself, like, what is my purpose? Like, what am I trying to, what am I going to leave behind? Because you don't really know what's going to happen to you. My friend was like in the process of elevating to the military and life has gotten just like that. Car crash has gotten just like that. So when I, I wrote that song literally maybe a week or so after he passed and I just put it into the album. And then I was in the process of making pleasure. And when I made pleasure, I, I just wanted to, to think about him and everything. And what Mama Nia, she also passed in the E-Ray. Like, what were they teaching? what were they trying to help me to understand? Because one thing I've been learning about grieving and death is that death is really for the living, it's for us. Because when people transition, they're already, they're already in a process of going through a new initiation. But when you're alive and you experience that death, you go back to the memories of what that person added, the value they added to your life. And you hold on to those memories, and those memories become lessons. So when I made Ode to Quine and Pleasure, I was thinking about all of those lessons that both of those individuals have taught me. And um, I just, I, and when I listened to it, I just know where I was at, I like, you know, spiritually and emotionally. And so when I listen to those songs, it just hit me different. You know, but each song that I listen to just hit me very differently. But I think Pleasure is like the song that helps me to realize that the life-death cycle is, it's, it's, it's what's guaranteed. And all you have to do is just find the pleasure in the life that you have now so you continue to, to persist. That's why I'm saying now I'm living understanding. The building bonds are the time that lasts forever. Looking back with gratitude for the blessings, I'm on a mission, precision, led by your vision. That's pleasure. You know, and I hope that be pleasure for everyone. Not money, not wealth, but the bonds you build, the knowledge that you gain, the vision that you create. Nah, that's I appreciate you saying that, and I had a conversation with my grandmother a few years ago. This is probably my first time saying this, like, in a crowd. But, um, she So, first of all, I would like to shout out the kids at the Experiential School in the 56 in the 56 house. I told them all that I have a podcast, and you would think that a famous person would have came through and told them about their podcast. So, I'm going to try to keep it nice and clean, okay? All right, it ain't going to be that clean. I want to talk about lanes. I want to talk about lanes. I want to talk about lanes. Um, So in the previous segment, I shared my discomfort with directing. Well, one will probably tell me that directing is not in your is not your lane. Stay in your lane, Adrian. You are an, you're an actor. I hope y'all didn't hear that belch. Well, let well first let's start with what inspired me to what inspired me to talk about lanes. So one morning on walking down on walking right, um. 
I've been on the hardcore dietary lifestyle change program that has uh, seen me lose 82 pounds. So I walk every morning. I'm walking and I hear about and I hear about Lil Yachty's new album, Let's Start Here. Okay, so Lil Yachty's a mumble rapper, and I despise mumble rap with every fiber of my being. I hate mumble rap. I question why in the hell does mumble rap even exist. Personally, I greatly I greatly enjoy the lyricism that Main Man gave. That T Walker gives that Dom, that 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 Dom gives, uh, well, dominant thought that Black thought gives that 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 that, that tip that t- that tip gives. I love lyricism. You know what I'm saying? I heard Common's album. Uh, I heard Common's song "The Corner" and changed my life. So. I like lyricism. That's why I love Black Thought so much because the man is a lyrical wizard. I hate mumble rap. Why does mumble rap even exist? I don't even know. Lil Yachty's a mumble rapper. Well, I hear, I read some things about his new album. Let's begin here. Let's start here. Something like that. So I'm 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 inquisitive. I'm like, okay, let me check it out. Let me see what let me see what's going on here. I'll play it and I'm like, don't ask no questions on the ride. What the hell, man? What? Every Every single, every single high school I've been subbing at, I've been looking at these daggone kids and saying, yo, hey, I like Lil Yachty's new album. I like it. It gives me Kid Cudi vibes. Kid Cudi, Man on the Moon, the first one vibes. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know, uh... Lil Yai had to have been getting over a bad breakup or something or something like that. But I don't know what made him decide, yo, I'm gonna start singing. But I like it. This is way outside of his lane. He's also daggone psychedelic indie type type stuff. You know what I'm saying? I love it. I love when somebody steps outside of their um, so-called lane and take upon a new challenge that is completely different from anything that they're known for or used to. That's one thing that I had to, that, that's one thing that I tried, that I've tried to do. Oh my God, I've done it so many times. Like, a little bit of background about ADQ. So, I started writing when I was like 14 years old, right? Um, when I first, when people started asking me to start spitting, start freestyle rapping, that was a challenge for me. How in the world am I going to make up these words? How in the world am I going to make up the, all these words on the fly off the top of the head like that? Did it. Okay. So then I start regularly getting involved in the theater and I start with a musical I have proven to myself that I cannot sing worth the lick. But I got up in there and turns out I actually can sing a lot better than I thought I could. So so now I'm at so so then to kill a mockingbird happens and I'm like, well, well ho, whoa, whoa, hold up. You mean to tell me I gotta do a play and and that that that, that, that I'm not singing in where I have to give dialogue in? And this is a drama on top of that. Cause I'm into to kill a mockingbird on River Sykes. I'm saying, Miss Jean Louise, stand up. Your father's passing. I had I had reached down each time I had reached down when I became when I became a teacher. I was scared to death, scared to death to be in charge of other human beings. I was like, yo, yo, what if they don't listen to me? What if they don't respect me? You know what I'm saying? All teachers go through that to some degree. 
Um, I've tried doing stand-up comedy before. Only reason why I haven't done it more is because I'd be too lazy to go to an open mic. I, with poetry, with poetry, I basically just took my raps, um, got creative with my cadence, and delivered them in the and delivered them in a different way, uh, in in a way where I'm not trying to stay on stay on a certain beat. Does that make sense? Um, when I say when I going back to me singing in theater, I remember when I had to sing the solo for Brother Trucker in Working. I was scared to death, bro. I was scared shitless. Pardon my language, but I knew it had to be done. It ain't like I could look at. It ain't like I was going to be able to look at the director Jay Smith and say, "Hey, man, I ain't doing this." No, nah, audition for the play. And it's the and it's the role that I've been assigned. The role that I've been assigned calls for me to sing. There are many times, the many time, the many plays that I've, the many Shakespearean plays that I've been in. When I was in Othello, it was a nightmare. When I was in King Henry the Fourth, King Henry the Fourth, Part One, it was a nightmare. But then. But then I started understanding what Shakespeare's crazy ass was saying. Um, when I did uh, miss some a nice dream, shout out to Carmen Deese, she uh took care of me. Um, <clears throat> I was finally starting to understand what this guy was saying. You know what I'm saying? Shakespeare was clearly either high or sexually confused, or I mean, sexually um. Angry or both. So Shakespeare was another hill that had that I had conquered. These are all examples of lanes that I stepped into. See, you can't box ADQ into one lane. And I would tell anyone who is listening to this right now, do not box yourself into any particular lane because you are short arming yourself. You know what I'm saying? Like, me, I have always been the type. You put me in a, you put me in a setting. You put me in a setting. Um, If I'm well, whether I'm well studied on what needs to take place in the setting or not, I'm going to reach down into what is it about me and my Virgo self that matches up with what with what is necessary to survive in the setting. And I'm going to do it. That's all there is to it. So. So I would say so I would shout out Lil Yachty. For stepping out of the mumble rap lane and going into this psychedelic rock singer lane. And I hope he does more of it. It's almost like when Tip uh did us or else. That was a that was an escape for him because you know Tip is normally talking about girls getting money, trapping, all that. When he did us or else, he went conscious for the first time. You know what I'm saying? David Banner, I loved when he did Death of a Pop Star because, yeah, he had conscious songs, but Death of a Pop Star was his most conscious album until the God Bonds dropped. So, true artists, true free thinkers do not have a lane. Hell, Donald Trump stepped out, stepped out of his real estate real estate um businessman lane to become president yeah don't ever let anybody box you in i would say to anybody don't everybody don't ever let anyone box you in what is a lane a lane is limiting and i would say don't fall for the cap don't allow yourself to be limited okay do not allow yourself to be limited or else you will be missing out on great things. Yo, when I did time, that was a whole step out of whatever lane that I was supposed to be in. 
quote unquote. Because I stepped into the lane of producer, director, actor, playwright. There were people who loved time. There were people who thought that it was the worst thing that they ever saw. Beautiful. But that's what we're all here for. We're all here to display what greatness do we have inside of us to to dish out to and contribute to the world at large. So that's my thought on lanes. That's why I do what I do. Like, so right now people are trying to put me in the weight uh, health guru lane because I lost so much daggone weight. Yeah, I lost a lot of weight, man. I lost 82 pounds, bro. Ain't God good. Man, I can't wait to chop it up with uh with Dom, Dominant Thought, Baby Malcolm, the intellectual mystic, the intellectual man. Action in tomorrow. But right now we chopping it up solo. Yo, um, I got something that I want to reveal with y'all when we come back. All right. This ADQ's Renaissance. Y'all keep it tapped in. Okay. <laughs> Yo. Sit up here in music class. Real. Trying to rap really, really, really fast. Hopefully what I say won't be trash. Hope it will be cinematic like Crash. Did you see that? Hopefully you will see that. Maybe take it in and breathe that. Racial relations. Look at all the Western faces. Uh, replace that. No replace it cause most movies are so trash these days, man. Yes, say it is. All of the sequels, they got not equal. They got not equal. They should be never, never, just like Wakanda forever. I didn't like that. The first time. So the second time. And that's my blessing run. Yo. Oh, watch this, watch this. Yo. Next time I ask for a beat, I want you to do it fast. Right here in music class, yo, best believe Q will blast to this low. Yeah, who will last, yo? I like this beat. I really think this is the tightest beat that I've heard since 93. Please, next time, be polite to me and play it when I say it. It's your boy. My name is Adrian. That's my first name. But y'all can't call me that. Nah, you really can't call me that. I just might see you into the hole for that. Yo, don't ever call me that. I said that three times, but here's three lines. When I say this, uh, 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 uh. I just ran out. <laughs> Okay, you gotta do it again, because I didn't even get the whole recording. I hadn't even... Yo, I'm freestyling, this is meanwhile. Yo, you like my jeans style? Uh, I got off beat, but that's okay, I'm gonna get lost beat. Uh, I lost sleep. Uh, got some shadows. I got a mad flow. No cash flow. I'm a teacher, but best believe, I'm a preacher. Uh, like a preacher. Uh, likes research. Let's go. It was better with the beginning yeah. part of the beat. That it was coming. The beat got kind of hard over. I like the beat. 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 Yeah. Ariana looked like your mama. Uh uh. Come from the build up as drama. Got creative with no dependence. With no repentance. Catch me in fences. I will be playing Uncle Gabe. I am straight, humble man. Yeah. Y'all saying, what's up with you? What's up with you? Y'all are filming your subs too. Um, yeah, I got subs too. I love your beats. I hardly ever flow like that. So, y'all, this is just a thought, just a thought Um, on this last segment of this particular episode, ADQ's Renaissance. 
just a thought. So I have this friend who I used to date. Um, she is one of the smartest people I've ever met in my entire life. You know, I would, uh, before I gush about her too much, I mean, we're not dating now, but, you know, we used to date. Um, she appealed to my, uh, she appealed very much to my 35-year-old youthful uh, hormonalness, and she appealed to my sapiosexuality, especially when she would tell me that she doesn't identify as black. Now, if you looked at her, you would see a melanated woman with locks. So you would put her in the category of black, but she doesn't identify as black. She would tell me how everybody's running around screaming, oh, we're black, black, proud, black, all this. But black is a term applied to a certain group of a certain group of African indigenous people or melanated people, we'll say melanated people, um, by some type of governmental census um, that makes us sound like we are as good as dead because black means death, right? Excuse me. So... That brings me to the question, what are we, yo? We call ourselves Africans. Well, there were black people. There were melanated people here in this land that is now known as the United States of America long before child slavery. Can we call ourselves can we call ourselves African Americans? No, that's just a term that Jesse Jackson came up with. For political reasons. African American. I mean. Like. 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 If I was born. Like I was born here in North Carolina. I identify with African. Uh, in terms of my heritage. And in terms of my. Ethnicity. But nationally speaking. I've never touched Africa. So if you are applying Africa, if you're calling me an African-American, if I was to come from Africa and be a and be a naturalized American citizen, if I was born, raised, if I was an African citizen and became an American citizen, then the term African-American would be very um, legitimate to me. But seeing as how I'm not from Africa then that term is not legitimate. So, so if you talk to a Hebrew Israelite, they would say, I'm an Israelite. I'm part of the uh, lost 12 tribes of Judah. I get with that, but the, the context that is being provided is based off of what the Bible says. And... I don't put 100% stock into the Bible. I put, you know, I put stock in it, but, you know, that's just something me and God are working out. Uh, someone who is Islamic would, someone who follows the Islamic faith, uh, preferably the nation of Islam. And, you know, I'm pretty sure Brother Dom could clarify this for me uh, tomorrow we'll probably say that we are part of the lost tribe of Shabazz um um five percent would say we are gods I could totally rock with that um where you lose me is when Christians is up and say you're a sinner so let's go right back to black what is black that wasn't that a great song that I made Let's see. Well, I've been reading this book called uh, From the Briar Files by Anthony Browder. You know, been working on it. Trying to read it all the way through. David Banner highly recommends it. Um, after seeing Anthony Browder's 
interviews on the Rock Newman's show, I I want to learn more about what this brother has to what this what this brother this elder has to say. So um it's from so here's a passage. It's actually on page one of his book, The Brow Files, uh the the creation of the Negro. The Portuguese were the first Europeans to enslave Africans. They were the first to call them Negroes. When the Spanish became involved in slave trade, they also used the word Negro to describe Africans. Negro is an adjective which means black in Portuguese and Spanish. But since 1444, the beginning of the slave trade, the adjective Negro became a noun and legitimate name of the newly enslaved people. So according to Dr. Browder, that's where that's where we started being known as Negroes. Both the Portuguese and Spanish languages were derived from Latin, Latin, which have their origins in classical Greece. In most European languages, the word for black was simply associated with aspects of death. The word death is derived from the Greek word necro, which means dead, and is similar in sound and meaning to the word negro. Throughout European history, the words necro and negro were commonly used to reference the physical, spiritual, or mental death of a person, place, or thing. I think I need to make a sequel to what is black. Because I was saying they're going black power and whatnot. Do we really want to call ourselves black? When the Israelites tell me you're an Israelite, that sounds a lot more empowering than being called black, black, which points to death. And also, if you look at my skin color, which is a, which is a direct reflection of the melanated chemical, uh, chemical, chemical substances that, um, uh, divine chemical substances that, um, uh, are in my, um, by my anatomy. My skin is brown, bro. My skin is brown. The color of my skin is literally brown. It's not black. It's not black. I'm looking at my pair of Jordans, my pair of Nikes, my other pair of Jordans. They are black. My skin is not black. My hair is black. And I got some I got some salt in my pepper as well. But my skin is brown, yo. We going to have to talk that over with someone. But what do we do? Do we do we oppress? Do we address this? Or do we just sweep up under a rug? My name is ADQ. This has been ADQ's Renaissance, and we are a podcast that likes to leave people thinking. Tomorrow we're gonna chop it up with the intellectual actioner, aka the dominant thought, aka. Baby Malcolm, a.k.a. the Intellectual Mystic, my brother, Dominic Hand. I hope you have enjoyed aspect little uh, excerpts of his interview over at his listening party. I hope you all have enjoyed some of the songs that I put on this. And so, until tomorrow, I'm ADQ. Great, great chopping up with you all. God bless. Peace.